Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Don't miss out on your chance to listen to four-time Super Bowl champ Charlie Weiss on the only podcast solely devoted to everyone's favorite position in football, the quarterback. Listen for free now by subscribing wherever you get podcasts or by going to CelebrityQB.com. Welcome to the Fantasy Throwdown Podcast, bringing you the latest in sports news, fantasy analysis, and opinions. Don't forget the hot takes. Can't have a sports show without hot takes these days. What about hot cakes, though? Mm, I want some hot cakes. Now here's your host, ready to jump into the thick of things, Dwayne Callender. Good evening and welcome to the show. We just wrapped up Game 3 of the NBA Finals, so another victory for the Warriors and a lot of questions to be asked for the Cavaliers as if to how they're going to win a game given the start they got off to and the fact they couldn't close it out. I got my dad on the line here, so we're just going to get right down to it. All right, Pop. Uh, I mean, again, the Warriors win this game, but you know the story of the game is the fact that you had both Curry and Clay Thompson completely neutralized in this game from beyond the arc and anywhere else on the floor because they, they both weren't hitting shots and were passing up opportunities uh, the entire game. And Cleveland still cannot find a way to close the deal. I, I mean, you know, I had my reservations about Cleveland actually winning a game this series. But the, the to me, the best chance I thought they were going to have this series was game three. Now, it turned out to be game one after all. But, you know, tonight I thought Cleveland had their best start in the finals coming out of that game with the crowd behind them. You know, they they build up a nice big lead in the first quarter, and then they let Kevin Durant go off in the first quarter, and you look up at the score and you're like, oh, wait a second, the Cavs are only up by one. This ain't a good look. Yeah, well, that's that's what I, I kept saying. After that first game, I, I I thought that the series was over because I don't think you're going to get that monster game out of LeBron again because he's already realized that, hey, what? I mean, he probably went home and said, hey, what the hell am I going to do again? What am I going to do? Go another hand? You know? So it's it's like, it, 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 it's, he can see the writing on the wall. Because if he could play that good and still end up losing a game like that, just not start up from, from right on there, you know, it, it's demoralizing. You know, you could see it in his face. You could hear it in his, in his voice after the press conference. I, 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 I think he's just going to play his game. He's going to play a good game. He's going to get points. But I don't think he's going to come up with a game that could be Golden State. It was bad enough that he may not have come up with it at all, you know. Because if he's hitting on all cylinders and Golden State is hitting on all cylinders, he's still going to lose. And he knows that. But I figure he can he tell himself he can make a seize out of it. And the best way to do is to put, put the fear of LeBron into Golden State's heart by that, having a game like that for his game. I think if they had won that first game, you probably see a 49, 50 point game out of him in, in maybe in game three. You know? But after that first game, 
I, 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 we didn't lose that game. I know it, it was all over. There's no way LeBron is going to be able to, to master that kind of thing. And he's tired too. Yeah, the, well, that, that's... Don't forget, the, the, he, 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 you know, people get not like he's 23. He's not 23. <laughs> yeah, well, the, that was my issue with the series was the fact that LeBron only has, given how much effort he had to put into uh, the Celtics series, because that that was the one bugaboo about that series was because they couldn't close out the Celtics in six games and it had to go to a seventh game, LeBron emptied the chamber again. And I, and I felt, you know, for his finals, he had basically one, at best, two monster games left in him because his body can't hold up the way it used to. Two days isn't enough recovery time for him, and even three days still isn't enough to get the job done. So, you know, at the end of the day, LeBron actually needs uh, additional scoring to actually get over the hump. And the problem with this game was is that, you know, you look at the box score, and at the end of the day, Kevin Love still is only at 20 points. Now, granted, it took him fewer shots to get to 20 this go-around, but 20 points isn't going to cut it. And the, the the next highest scorer was Rodney Hood, who hadn't even played the series. That, that, that's the ridiculous part about it. It's like, you know, Tyron Lue is so desperate, he finally turned to Rodney, uh, Rodney Hood, which I thought should have been from the jump because Rodney Hood athletically can match up with Golden State far better uh, than the likes of uh, George Hill. But, you know, my thing is, Athletically, you know, George Hill can't keep up with uh, Golden State. He struggles. So, again, George Hill back to being five points in 27 minutes. It's not going to cut it. J.R. Smith, 13 points on 5 of 14 shooting. So, 3 of 10 from beyond the arc. It's just too many guys that aren't able to shoot from beyond the arc missing opportunities. And at this point, you know, you got to throw things up against the wall and see what sticks. And I'm saying... At this point, you got to start playing Jordan Clarkson with Rodney Hood and seeing if you get anything. Because to me, I think uh, the Cavs need a more athletic backcourt to at least give LeBron some space. To me, LeBron doesn't have space. LeBron is literally driving from the top of the key and beyond the uh, three-point arc just to get it to the basket. And, you know, it's, it's draining him because he got 33 points, but it took 28 shots. That is an incredibly inefficient game from LeBron James. Uh, normally, because he, he can usually uh, get cut that number down to 22 and get to 33 because he's going to the free throw line. He only had seven free throw attempts, mainly because he's trying to do everything else. That's why he was passing the balls up so much in the first half, because he knew he didn't have much in the tank, so he was trying to get these other guys involved. And it worked for about five minutes in the first quarter, and then it went to a hell in the handbasket the rest of the first half. Yeah, well, look, let me tell you something. In order for them to put any kind of fear into Golden State, okay, 20 points is where you need from people like J.R. Smith and them. Love has got to be up in the 30s. It's got to be 30 and, and, and up. You understand? In order for them to really... For LeBron to operate, you know, where he can take a break and, and catch his wind. And, and you, you, you have a guy in his 30s playing 48 minutes straight every night. And you you got to be kidding me. Yeah, I, I mean, and that was the thing. LeBron that. played 47 out of 48 minutes tonight. 
I'm telling you, it's not going to work. And he knows it. He knows it. And he put it all in there. Now, I thought after the Celtics series, I thought that game one was, would have been the throwaway game for them. Instead, he kind of crossed, he crossed me up, and I guess he crossed Golden State up by coming out and just... Just oh yeah, them Go, Golden State. Yeah, Golden State was completely flat-footed game oh, yeah, one. They weren't ready. Yeah. they weren't ready for him. They weren't ready for him in that first game, and I think that's why he did it. And he came out in that first game. He figured, look, I'm going to take this first game, and I'm going to have them a little worried because they're not going to know that they have to win the second game, you know. So I'm going to put a little fear in them, and and then to lose it the way he lost it. Look, this is a human being you're dealing with. You're old, you're tired, you know, and you you put disappointment in there, and and there's there's no way he's going to come up with those kind of games again. I'm telling you, you've not seen another one of those games. Look, you might get that game four coming up. You might get 20 points out of LeBron, and he may just check out in that game and, and look to get up at Cleveland. Yeah, no, it, you know, and and that's the real danger because it's only a one day turnaround. It, it the the game's I, Friday. The game is Friday. I, it's I'm like I, I I thought they might have given it, made it a Saturday night affair. The game's Friday. I don't, yeah. I'm not sure what condition you're going to get LeBron in after playing 47 out of 48 minutes. And people could say, you know. oh, he's only in his 30s. Yeah, but Le- LeBron playing in his 30s is a lot different than some of pr- past. NBA players, because LeBron is always in the finals. Like, LeBron has about three-plus years of playoff seasons added to his body. So, legitimately, LeBron is in his late 30s in terms of basketball age. Let me tell you something. Out of all the teams that, that, you know, big-time teams that challenge for the finals, and this Cleveland team... Is about the worst assembly you have of people. I mean, you know, everybody talks about Jordan. You know, I I, I, I was there in Jordan times. You know, but where's the Scotty Pippen? Where's the the, the Rodman? Where's the Horace Grant on, on on this thing? Yeah, everybody talks about 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 you know Jordan teams. They get like Jordan just pull guys off the the, <laughs> the street and played with them. Well, well, you, well know, you know, you know. Part of the thing is like everyone keeps like poo pooing like the first three Pete teams, saying it was all Jordan. I was like, Jordan had some really good teammates the first go around too. Wait, 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 wait. The first three Pete teams was all Jordan. Well, that, so, well, well, that, well that's so what, the what, I, what I'm the guys like Grant and and and, and them. Well, well, that's well, that's the thing. It, 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 we've we've gotten to a point where we do revisionist history as if MJ did all this by himself, and then he left, and then he came back, and then he had an All Star team, and then got even better. It's like the the revisionist history about the Bulls is is pretty ridiculous at this point. Look, let me tell you something. All you got to remember is those games when Jordan was scoring 50 points, he couldn't get by the Celtics or the, or the Pistons. Yeah, he kept losing couldn't those get series. By them. Couldn't get by them. Okay? So, so I, I don't want to hear that, 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 those kind of shit. He couldn't get by those teams. And that was when he was at his youngest and flying and scoring all those kind of points. 
they didn't win shit. So I don't want to hear people telling me about that. You know, this is the worst assembly any superstar have around them as a big team. I don't want to sound a drum, this great fan of LeBron James. You know, I'm just, I just have a good memory. Yeah, no, well, that's the, a, a, lot, a lot of this just ends up being revisionist history. Because my, my yeah. thing is, is that, you know, everyone uses MJ to knock down uh, Ma- Magic and Bird. But then they also knocked down Kareem Wilt. I mean, there there is a long line of guys you can make you can make cases for being the greatest ever. Hey, Bird had he had McKeel, he had Parrish, he had he had Carr, he had Bill Walton, he had Dennis Johnson. Like people forget that. Yeah, you understand. So it's not like he didn't have a good team around him. Magic had Kareem, Woody, Cooper, Byron Scott. I mean, you know, Thompson, you know, McAdoo at one time. So, you know, I don't want people be telling me this kind of nonsense. There's no team. That, I mean, all those teams. You tell me who's the other Hall of Famer on this Cleveland team. All those teams, the Jordan teams, the Magic teams, the Bird teams, the, the Isaiah teams, all of them have all of the famous on them. All of them, besides the star. All of those teams have one or two Hall of Famers on them. Go back and check. You go back and check. Uh, so many Hall of Famers on this team. You're telling me no, no one's uh, erecting a statue for Booby Gibson? tonight I, I mean I, I just uh, I look at it just like it's one of those things where I, I feel as though uh, it, people just like kind of make up their own their own uh, yeah. narrative and, and it, that's just it I'm, I'm telling you when, when 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 I was younger and we would argue about stuff guys had to be searching their memory and calling this one and asking do you remember when so and so and so you know you don't have to do that you just grab your phone and you ask Siri, whatever, and you get the exact answer. And still, people have a way of, like, they just forget what, what, what went on, you know, a couple of years ago. You know, there's no way you can class these, this, 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 this Cleveland team with any of those teams. And they would lose the losing team. <laughs> you know, yeah. They were news to some of the losing teams. So, uh, you know, when, when, when they're talking about, you know, about teams, you know, and LeBron, all this Cleveland team has on it is LeBron. That's it. They have LeBron. You know, and a bunch of guys who just, who just comes in there. But like I say, for them to even be competitive with this, this Golden State team, you gotta be getting theories from love 
and twenties from people like J.R. Smith and them, and you can't you can't get that. A good night is when J.R. Smith gave fifteen. That's a good night for him, you know, because this is a guy would end the night with ten points, uh, and he's supposed to be one of your scoring options. Yeah. It, so, so the, the only thing, could, uh, the so, only thing could surprise me is if they don't get swept. That's the only surprise yeah. I could get. I said that since the first night. Yeah, so basically, uh, one of the things that the NBA did tonight, uh, Callie, I, I know I know you weren't following, but uh, you know I was t- taking a look through it because the NBA decided to have the referees comment live tweeting during the game, which is never a good idea. I don't, you know, they, they, they maybe people will call me a, 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 an old fogey too, but I, I mean, tweeting as the game's going on with like hot takes and opinions on oh this was a terrible call this is it's like you're going to get uh, you're going to get it from both sides so i don't know why the nba decided to open up the referees to this criticism but you know the the joking of it like the joke of it all is the fact that immediately within the first 5 minutes Draymond Green and uh, Tristan Thompson get a du- double technicals for trash talking each other all the way through. My thing is, I would have just let it play on. But because you called out to the fact that, oh, we're going to take control of this game, we're not going to have loud outbursts, you've set the bar to a point where any loud outbursts or trash talking is automatically a technical. And then instead, they set they set off the double technicals and then allowed Draymond Green to go off the entire night yelling and screaming about every single play that went on against him. It was incessant, and no technical happened. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know, that, that, that's, that's when you get these brilliant ideas in the boardroom, and, and, and without really thinking, you come out and just try to implement them on the court. You know? Uh, but, uh, look, I'm... I'm not a big Draymond Green fan because I think he gets away with a lot of stuff. You know, uh, I think he overdoes it sometimes. You know, because he he the among the the among the stuff that he got into already, it's amazing that he doesn't get ejected more often because he's on the wrong side of a lot of these stuff. A lot of those things he's on the wrong side of. You know, and he pushes the envelope a lot. You know, he pushes it a lot. Well, it's, it's not even a lot. It's literally he creates his own envelope because yeah. because the reactions it just goes so far over the top that you know Van Gundy points it out accurately. It's just like there's a whole set of different rule book for Draymond Green versus everyone else because he can carry on, and everyone yeah. else is just like, okay. Uh, yeah, you're you're getting over the line here. Here's a here's a technical. It's just like Draymond's just like having demonstrations on the court, and you know nothing happens. Yeah, yeah, that's what I tell you. He gets he gets away with a lot of stuff. You know, uh, there's a lot of times I'm watching him and I'm like, you know, look, I never give him the benefit of the doubt because he always looks like he's doing something. You know, I, I I don't trust him. He's 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 a guy that, like I said, he pushes the like I said, he makes up his own envelope. 
He don't only push it. He, he, he brings it to the court. He brings his own envelope. You know? So it's, 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 it's something else with him. You know? But, I mean, what can I tell you? Yeah. So Anyway. Yeah, so, I mean, basically, you know, we'll wrap this one up uh, just because, I, honestly, I can't say much else about this game other than uh, Kevin Durant was on fire. Yeah, I mean, he got into a rhythm in that first quarter and never let it go. I mean, 15-23, 6-9 from three-point range. I mean, he took some deep three-pointers, too. It, it wasn't as though uh, he, he was uh, getting some cheapies. Uh, he, he was uh, legitimately feeling himself and, and stalked his territory, so... I mean, outside of that, no one else on Golden State played well, and they still won the game. That's the troubling sign for Cleveland is the fact that one guy can go off for 40, and even though no one else is playing well on Golden State, they're still moving the ball around enough that everyone else is in double figures. The Cavs have uh, four guys in double figures the entire night, and the War and the Warriors literally had... Uh, uh, seven guys uh, and uh, two more guys who are at eight points. I mean, that's the problem. I, I mean, that's it in a nutshell. You can't uh, like just have trade baskets with the Warriors because you know, even when a guy like JaVale McGee is getting easy looks at the basket, you know, it, it's not going to work. And then, I mean, Andre Iguodala injured himself again tonight and still put up uh uh, eight points uh, the, the, in 22 minutes. Wow. It, it's like he's put, he's putting up uh, he's putting up like a, a dunks and layups in the middle of the court when he can't jump. It's like Dre is like you can tell he's hobbling and he's still getting the easy looks at the basket. That's the problem with uh, uh, Cleveland right now because to me to to me Tristan Thompson has to be more of a presence in the middle and he's not. Here's, here's, here's the terrible thing about Cleveland. Here's the, the, the most telling thing about Cleveland. Is that when's the last time somebody either equal the score of LeBron or outscore LeBron on Cleveland? What? Outscore LeBron? What? <laughs> Okay, so that's 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 a, you know, because as good as uh, uh, Curry uh, is, uh, 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 are you talking about post Kyrie? You know, because as good as as Golden State is, you know, Curry gets us scored some nights, Thompson gets us scored at night, it is Durant, it it's LeBron or nothing. <laughs> that's 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 where you know there's a problem, you know. That that's when you know there's a problem. That it's 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 that's not good. That's not good. And I I am not a betting guy, but I would lose money that LeBron has already had that truck backed up by the house uh, and he's getting out of Cleveland because there's, there's there's nothing there. There's nothing. He's gonna waste if he stays there. He's gonna waste his next few years on. Seasons like this one, where you know, yeah, he's gonna get them into the finals, but you know, and let me tell you something. Next year, Kyrie and 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 uh, oh gosh, the other forward that got injured. Did they end up Boston team? They're not beating that. Oh, uh, Hayward. Yeah, no. 
the the, the that Boston team. There's no way LeBron can beat them you without know, getting additional and, people and, in Cleveland. And, and, I mean, I mean, and, if, and, if, and, if, and, the only way LeBron can stay in Cleveland is if he can convince uh, Chris Paul to leave Houston to come to the Cavs. That's about it. But if I'm but if I'm but if I'm LeBron but if I'm LeBron, why would I have Chris Paul leave when I got a better situation down in Houston regardless with the role players? That's what I'm gonna say. That's not gonna say because that's still not gonna be enough because because even if Kyrie because because even if Kyrie had stayed, I still think they wouldn't have enough to be beating Golden State. Yeah, but that's they don't have a third option. Yeah, that's the that's the problem. It's like even with the uh, the Rockets losing people this coming off season, it's still gonna be a better squad than the Cavaliers without LeBron. That's that's the problem. Yeah. Let's see. All right. So we yeah. we 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 we'll see what we'll see what 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 tomorrow. Yeah, I'll catch you later, uh-huh. Cali. <laughs> okay. All, All right. right. Take care. Take All it right. easy. Hey, Throwdown Nation. Are you at the bottom of your fantasy league wondering what is going on with your quarterback? Well, I think I've got a new show that may just fit the bill for you. The show is called Celebrity QB, featuring four-time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks to get your burning questions answered, such as, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Can Aaron Rodgers actually play a full season on one healthy leg? And can Dak Prescott actually lead the Cowboys to a Super Bowl in spite of Jerry Jones? Coach Weiss and co-host Steve Stroud have got you covered on all things quarterbacks. Listen now on Apple Podcasts or any major media platform. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Yeah, so that does it for Game uh, 3 of the NBA Finals. Uh, I'm going to talk about uh, the NHL uh, uh, in a bit uh, just because we had another victory by the Washington Capitals, uh, based off of what uh, they're playing at a level right now, and again, I, I talked about this with Ovechkin, uh, what he's been able to do overall with his game uh, this postseason. It's just, it you know I keep waiting for uh, the moment where you know the wheels are going to come off, but it hasn't happened yet, and you know it's one win away from the Stanley Cup, so uh, I, I think I think we're getting ready to see the Caps lift the cup just because. They got the best player, and he's on top of his game, and he's getting everyone else involved. They're playing with a ton of confidence. Vegas is, has rapidly lost confidence because of the fact that, you know, Vegas plays a style very similar to the Columbus Blue Jackets where they do a heavy forward check, and the Caps played this exact same system in the first round against Columbus. That's why, you know, I knew home, home ice advantage would have some impact, but I just felt with the style of play, it, you know, the Caps are used to this style. So, you know, they because they already played it hard, it, you know, it wasn't anything else that they had to uh, adjust uh, a whole lot amount. It was just a matter of hoping making some saves. And that save in game two changed the momentum because, you know, the Caps players started believing in Hopi again. And that, that was always the big bugaboo was like what Hopi was, uh, uh, what Braden Hopi was going to show up uh, in the Stanley Cup final. So, you know, I look at this and I kind of look at it from the standpoint of, you know, the Caps have played a great postseason. They've taken care of every hurdle that they need to do. They just got to win one more game and, you know, it's a wrap. But, you know, my credit to them because I picked them to win the series. I thought it was going to be a longer series. So we're going to see what 
Vegas does uh, tomorrow night uh, uh, back home. But uh, I, I, I think Vegas is going to just come out with everything they can blitz. So if Vegas can't get a lead uh, by a goal or two in that first period, it can get ugly because I think Vegas is going to expend as much energy as humanly possible in that first period to get to a, get out to a big lead and reignite, reignite the crowd and get that energy back because, again, they've lost so much confidence and the Caps are just gaining momentum that this is turning into the same snowball effect that happened to Columbus uh, in that opening round series. So uh, we'll see uh, how it goes uh, with that. Uh, over on baseball news, uh, just a couple of updates that happened. You had Madison Bumgarner come back from uh, his uh, – a finger fracture for the San Francisco Giants. He pitched well in the loss to Arizona. Uh, so, obviously, uh, he's going to be one of those guys to keep an eye out on. In terms of targets, I would look at uh, in terms of uh, trade value for fantasy purposes, though. There are a couple of guys I would take a look at uh, strongly. Uh, if you're in a position where you're needing power, you're needing pitching, these are a couple of guys I would uh, take a hard look at and see what you can do uh, in, in terms of trade value. First up, we have Paul Goldschmidt in terms of fantasy players to target. Uh, Goldschmidt has been absolutely dreadful this year, uncharacteristically so, because uh, he had been the mark of consistency in terms of first uh, base. So in terms of the season thus far, I know people have been making a big uh, stink about the humidor effect. To me, that's not the issue with Goldschmidt. The issue's been the fact that he has been catching up with the fastball because Pitchers have been targeting higher fastballs with him, and he's just been popping them up. He's been swinging under them. Uh, looks as though he's getting back into, uh, into a little bit of better form over the past month, uh, and also the past week alone, uh, he's actually hit for 435 average. Uh, he's got 10 hits, 23 at bats. Uh, slugging's back over uh, 1,200. You know, everyone is going to be making plays for Paul Goldschmidt. I would say if you're a Paul Goldschmidt owner and you have any thoughts about contending uh, for a title, I'd say you got to hold on to him. Uh, unless you're sorely in need of pitching help because of injuries, uh, there's no reason why I would trade Paul Goldschmidt. But I, I, I do see the fact that, you know, if you got an owner that is thinking that Goldschmidt, uh, what Goldschmidt's doing is just a flash in the pan and he's just going to have a down year, yeah, make the offer. I would just say that uh, overall... You know, he, uh, the April he had was weak just in terms of his usual numbers. And then, you know, it was May where it was just like befuddling how poorly uh, he was hitting. I, I mean, the 144 average was just brutal. So I, I think he's on the rebound. But if I'm an apologetic Goldschmidt owner, I wouldn't move him. But obviously, I would say he is at the top of the list for trade targets. So. If you can package them in a three-for-one type of deal with an owner and, and try to get the, uh, them convinced to move them, uh, by all means, go for that. Uh, but uh, I'd hold on to them if I actually own Goldschmidt. Another guy I would look at in terms of uh, trade targets would be Anthony Rendon of the Nationals at, at that third base. Uh, career numbers are a little bit down uh, uh, this year uh, just because he's still only batting two thirty nine with only five homers. And 13 RBIs. Overall, his walk rate is still up. So, uh, you know, it's been consistent with uh, uh, what he's done in the past. So, 
he's basically walking at about 11% versus 50, uh, a strikeout rate of 15%. So his uh, OBP is still in the 330 range. So my opinion, uh, this is a classic case of uh, the ball's bat in place that uh, is being lower than it's been in years past. And uh, so uh, you, you've got a Babbitt uh, where it's coming in at uh, 274, where his typical average is 309. So basically, you're, you're talking about a difference of 30, uh, 30 points here. You know, when you translate that, you know, you're expecting him rest of the season to be about a 275 hitter. Uh, all things considered, uh, with Babbitt, uh, uh, just because, uh, you know, you could have a great defensive play, and that w- is what lowers your overall batting average. But by and large, when you have a 309 uh, Babbitt, uh, you know, you're typically going to be a 285 hitter. So my my stance is maybe you can put in the cheap offer in on uh, Rendon and try to buy him low. Uh, but my expectation is within the next uh uh, two to three weeks, Rendon's going to start turning around again, and the window's going to close. So, to me, this is one of those cases where you kind of have to make a move now for getting uh, a guy like Rendon, who can actually be a really big uh, boost for you as you near the playoff stretch. The third candidate that I would say take a good, long, hard look at is uh, Cody Bellinger, because the story is out that he's going through the typical sophomore slump I look at it as saying, you know, he has a funky batting stance. I, I, I didn't really believe that uh, he was a true 270 hitter. I think he's probably closer to being a 250 hitter. But he's 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 not uh, a guy who's going to be uh, dropping all the way down to because uh, he was in the two thir- uh, low 220s in the 230 range. He's a better hit than that, and the ISO power is way down uh, last year. So I, I look at this and, and saying that, you know, overall, he struggled in the postseason. Uh, just as teams uh, started throwing him high fastballs and he hasn't adjusted yet, I still think that there's a good chance for Bellinger to rebound. I just think the narrative of saying it's a sophomore slump is, you know, it's just it's just kind of tired. It, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not, I don't want to say lazy because – Yes, teams have adjusted to rookie players in their second year, and they've had some struggles, but he's talented enough as uh, a young hitter that he can make those adjustments. So to me, he looks like a prime candidate for a, uh uptick in uh, second-half production. So I would take a strong look at Bellinger uh, just to see uh, where uh, he is at the moment. So uh, that would be my next uh, guess there. And finally, in terms of... Uh, pitchers that I would take a look at in terms of trade candidates. I'd, I'd be looking at guys who were just coming off of DL because you've got owners who were patiently waiting on them, but if they start showing any signs of weakness, so you, uh, you had Cueto uh, on track for coming back, and you have Bumgarner who just uh, pitched the other day. I, I'd take a look at those guys, and I'd also take a look at uh, Robbie Ray uh, for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Uh, Ray is coming off of uh, the latch strain. Uh, you know, if he looks as though he's not striking out folks in his first two to three starts, I would say try to put together a package for him just because he has elite level strikeout ability. Uh, the only guy who comes close to Ray, in my opinion, in terms of 
overall strikeouts uh, per nine innings would be Scherzer and uh, Noah Syndergaard. Uh, so it's, it's a very short list of guys who could be that dominant uh, K-9. through So if for any reason he looks a little bit sluggish coming out of the gate, I would say that's something uh, to someone to definitely target in the second half of the year. Uh, so uh, he should be coming uh, coming back to the main roster within the next week and a half. So uh, definitely uh, someone to keep your eyes on. And, of course, for the San Francisco Giants, like I said, Cueto's coming back. Bongarner just pitched this week. So any signs of weakness from those guys, I would pounce on. Uh, Bongarner had an excellent first start back. He just didn't get any run support. But if he uh, struggles in the next outing, you might get an owner with a little bit of doubt in his head, and uh, maybe you can take advantage of that. So uh, those are guys that I would say are definite trade targets uh, uh, you should be keeping in mind uh, as you go into uh, the second half of the season. Now, a couple other guys that I would say sell high on. Basically, uh, these are two guys where they've – far and away outperformed any expectation you could have reasonably had for him, but it's time to start indicating uh, uh, you know, in terms of it's too good to be true, I can't see it uh, being sustaining full length of the season, so while they may not cool off completely, it's you know, it's it's hard to even uh, uh, say that they could be even close to this, so right now uh, Scooter Gannett is Probably, like for all intents and purposes, the best second baseman in Major League Baseball uh, in terms of fantasy production. Uh, you know, he topped out Tuve. I can't believe I just said that, but he's <laughs> uh, in terms of all the uh, fantasy stats. Scooter Gannett has trounced the Altuve, uh, what far and away outperformed Dozier, uh, guys like Whit Merrifield. I mean. You know, if if you look if you're looking at numbers since uh, the beginning of May, Gannett is batting just under 400 with 10 home runs and 27 RBIs, and the BABIP is over 425. So, you know, it's uh, it's a case where uh, he's 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 playing way over his head. Uh, you know, the the uh, the fact of the matter is though, like. Uh, his best uh, BABIP ever was last year, uh, which was 389, uh, and that is far and away higher than his career mark of uh, 333. So, you know, the the natural thought progression is that he is going to have a massive regression in the second half of the year, just because it's almost impossible to keep up that amount of power. I would say, you know, I wouldn't give away the farm for Gannett uh, just to uh, offload him, but I would say if someone is looking at moving uh, a high-priced uh, asset, and uh, you know, like I said, if if you've got a case where someone's looking to offload Goldschmidt and you can get another uh, player along with Goldschmidt, I would absolutely do that deal. Like I said, I don't believe that Gannett can remotely keep up this pace. So I would say if you can get a first-round talent or a couple of second-round picks for the likes of Scooter Gannett, you do it because, uh, you know, you can make a case for him saying that he's coming into form, this, that, and the other. You know, yes, regression is a very real aspect, but, you know, whenever you're making a trade, you're always trying to upsell your own guy. So my, my opinion is Gannett is 
way overdue for regression. So it's time to sell now before that uh, regression even starts showing signs because uh, he's got about another good two to three weeks in him. But then the wall's going to hit hard. So I would say now's the time to start exploring those trade opportunities with Gennetikus. Uh, you don't know exactly when he's going to hit the wall, but it's almost inevitable at this point. The next guy I would say definitely uh, consider moving would be Matt Kemp of the Dodgers. Uh, you know, Matt Kemp was basically an afterthought. I mean, the Dodgers were <laughs> legitimately contemplating waving him, uh, and, uh, you know, after. Uh, being uh, put uh, traded back to LA, you know they didn't really have a spot for him. But then they had a couple of injuries in the outfield, so Kemp uh, stayed on the roster, and then since then has just t uh, t torn it up. I, I mean, since uh, the middle of May, uh, he's batting 400 and he's got mo uh, at least four or five home runs. Uh, but he's currently leading the NL in batting average at 3.44, which is even at Matt Kemp's peak with the Dodgers. And this is going back seven years ago. Uh, he wasn't hitting at this clip. Uh, you know, the issue being is that at Kemp's age, uh, he's 33, not 23. You know, he's always been a guy who's had issues with uh, picking up little nicks and injuries. You know, part of it they attributed to, uh, and he's even acknowledged it, him not keeping himself in the best of shape, uh, partying too much. You know, that seems to change from his mindset just because of uh, he took it personally, according to reports about when uh, people were saying that he's kind of thrown away his career by not taking his uh, physical fitness as uh, seriously as he should have. But I, I just look at it as like, yes, he's doing all the right things. It's just impossible to keep up with uh, the amount of, uh, of uh, production he's uh, had without expecting some type of regression. My, my, my thing of it is that you can definitely get some value uh, with Kemp uh, just because he's a recognizable name. So people have seen him put together MVP caliber season. So the name recognition with some folks is enough to trigger it where they're not going to be looking at facts as his age or uh, the fact that he's never produced at this level before uh, in terms of batting average. So my advice on Matt Kemp would be uh, sell now. Uh, before uh, he gets an injury, because uh, I, I just think it's inevitable. Uh, you know, it's almost the same parallel I would use with uh, guys like Nelson Cruz and J.D. Martinez. Like, they're due to get hurt. Uh, the only thing is, you know, J.D. Martinez is just hitting at a clip right now where it's hard to make the case to make a move on him uh, just yet. Although, I do know that there's probably the stint or two less than J.D. Martinez's future in the second half of the year. I, I would say he's a guy to keep an eye out for. Uh, that's like a cautious hold, but I would still say uh, by the end of the month, uh, if he hasn't shown any signs of getting injured, you're probably still in the position where you need to move a guy like J.D. Martinez or Nelson Cruz because once the summer months hit, they're more than likely going to have to do a DL stint or two, even if it's for 10 days each time, but they're, they're going to need to get a little bit of a blow uh, once the July and August hit. So uh, those are some names uh, to consider for trades. 
and uh, hopefully you guys got some value out of it. Uh, as always, you can shoot me an email or hit me up uh, on Twitter uh, for Fancy Throwdown. So uh, that's going to do it for the show today. Uh, well, <laughs> I say today because we're already past midnight uh, for uh, the NBA game. But uh, uh, thanks for listening and uh, have a good one, folks. Uh, although I highly doubt that we're going to get much in a way of a game Friday night with uh, – Golden State in Cleveland, but you know, I'll be here to recap it as always. So uh, take care and have a good one. It's the most talked about position in all of sports, the quarterback. And now there's a show solely dedicated to the most sought after role on the field, Celebrity QB, featuring four time Super Bowl champion coach Charlie Weiss. Unlike other football shows, you'll get the inside scoop on all things quarterbacks. Like, is this the year Tom Brady finally looks his age? Will dating Danica Patrick distract Aaron Rodgers? I mean, he's dating Danica Patrick, Charlie. We're interested in that, you know? Well, I mean, Tommy's got Giselle. I'll I'll take Giselle, okay? (laughs) Is Dak Prescott good enough to win a Super Bowl for the Cowboys? Which rookie quarterback has the best shot of making a positive impact in 2018? How about intellectually, Charlie, as far as what they ask the quarterbacks to do now? The game has changed, but the pressure that's put on quarterbacks and it always been put on quarterbacks is tremendous. Join Charlie Weiss and co-host Steve Strout on an all-new podcast from Lasting Media, exclusively about quarterbacks. Subscribe now at Apple iTunes or wherever you listen to great podcasts. Celebrity QB, everyone's favorite position. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.